Reading this morning is taken from John 6, 1 to 14. Some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he'd performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one of us to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who'd eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. Any bleary faces this morning having stayed up watching Eurovision? Not too Three words I'd never thought I'd hear in my life now, lifetime. Wyomini, 12 points. United Kingdom, 12 points. Paul and I had a little impromptu um, Eurovision song party last night until we, we both lost interest about halfway through. <laughs> Anyway, this morning we're going to be continuing um, the theme that we've probably been looking at for the last, on and off for the last two months, um, which is asking the question of ourselves and one another, what is it that we carry in our hands, what do we carry in our hearts, and using that process to inform um, and to lead us into a place where our vision is refreshed, um, where our compassion our calling, our compassion for others are enlarged. So we're going to be carrying that on this morning. I'm doing a kind of a tag team with Liz. Um, I'm aware that there might be some people here this morning who haven't been here for any of those times where we've asked the question. And if you had, I think there are still some cards in the back somewhere. So there were three questions we asked, um, and I can't remember the first one. Um, what what do you most enjoy doing, which is kind of a mood setter, then what, is they written here? <laughs> what do you most care about? And then what do you carry in your hands? And what do you carry in your heart? So we just wanted, you don't have to answer both, all three questions literally, but really just to open up 
what are the things that we carry? And for each one of that, that's going to be different. And um, you'll see here the board where quite a lot of us have been writing those things down. And I hope that the process of doing that was really life-giving for you. And it actually brought out things that you'd never really considered are really important to you. Anyway, let's start. I'm, I wanted to tell a story to start with, um, a true story that I heard probably two or three years ago from Tear Fund. And it's, um, I might have got the details slightly wrong in the telling, but um, the story is that a Ugandan soldier had been, uh, had served his time in national service in the army. And um, as part of his pension, all the soldiers who left the Ugandan army, they were given a small portion of land. And his small portion of land, as it turned out, was a piece of swamp, mosquito-infested swampland. And in the last years of him being in the army, he'd also become a believer. So he, he left the army and went back to his home village where his piece of land was. And he met with the elders of his church and said, would you help me? I've, I've got nothing. I've just left the army. I've got no salary, got no income. Would you help me? And they asked him the question, what's in your hands? And he said, well, I've got, I've got nothing in my hands. I have nothing. I've just, I've left with nothing. And they said, no, no, everybody who has something, what is in your hands? And he said, well, all I have is this small area of land, which is a swamp, a mosquito-infested swamp. And they said, well, let's pray, lift that up to God and together. So they did. They prayed together, and they came up with this idea, or he came up with the idea, I think, was to, was to dig a pond in the swamp, let the water that was already there fill it, and then stock it with fish. And that's what they did. And what they found incredibly was that the fish grew incredibly fast. And they bred much more quickly and reproduced much more quickly than they normally would do because they were eating all the mosquito larva. And so after a period of time, he was able to take fish for himself to eat. He was able to sell a bit of the surplus and have an income. But he also then thought, well, if I've done one pond, why don't I dig another one? So with the help of the church, he dug a second pond. And it became more of a community project. And he took some of the fish from the first fish pond and stocked the second one. And the same thing happened. They grew incredibly fast. They bred. He took it. And he started then not just to have an income, but to have a business. So he thought, why don't I dig another one? And so what had become just one pond became a community project and became a business. But even more significant, perhaps, They'd, the fish were eating so many of the, of the larva that the, the amount of mosquitoes had dropped and the amount of the incidence of malaria in the district started to fall. All because one person asked a question, what's in your hands? And it wasn't a shift of ideas, it was a shift of mentality for him, is that I do have something in my hand. And as I offer it back to God, something beautiful, something glorious can come out of just the smallness of what I carry. So if we think to the story that we've just read, that really well-known story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 from uh, John chapter 6. And I, 
I love that story. I love the way John tells the story because he introduces, the only gospel writer introduces where the five loaves and fishes come from. It's from a small boy. And out of 5,000 people plus women and children, it seems like there was only one person who had the foresight to think, this could go on a very long time, I'm going to take a packed lunch with me. Or maybe his mother did. And I kind of imagine him um, being close to the disciples because, you know, Jesus asked the question first of all of Philip with, I think, a mischievous glint in his eye. If If you think Jesus never had a sense of humor, then read this passage again because he is being really cheeky and mischievous. He's saying to Philip, how are we going to feed all these people, Philip? And Philip, who's a bit stressed, well, we haven't got money to, you know, it's like one year's wages to feed all these people. And then I kind of imagine this small boy as being the nephew of the second cousin, twice removed, of Andrew. And he's close to the disciples because he knows them, but he wants to hang out with Jesus. I'm imagining this. And he has his packed lunch with me. And Andrew looks at him and says, well, we've got five loaves and two fishes here. But what is that amongst so many? So the disciples see the little, but Jesus sees something different. They see insignificance. They might even see the irrelevance of so small a thing being held in their hands. But Jesus sees something which is way beyond that, which has significance. And so he says, if you give it to me, then I can do something with this. And so he offers it. You know the rest of the story. He offers it up to heaven. He blesses it, gives thanks for it, and breaks it, gives it to disciples. And they say nobody is not absolutely, completely well-fed. So the little boy had given away his lunch. He actually received back more because he probably ate more than he actually started with. Jesus, the economy of Jesus is different to ours. We see in our hands maybe the little and we think of it as lack. Jesus doesn't doesn't equate littleness with lack. We might see our lives and what we have, what we carry as being insignificant and irrelevant. But Jesus said, if you'll give it to me, if you'll give your little to me, I can make something beautiful, something glorious. I can increase it. Not just for you, not for your sakes, but in order that the world is fed spiritually, emotionally, physically. And so we're at a place where we've been offering up, in some ways, on our cards, what we carry in our hearts. And it might seem very small. It might seem very little. It might seem insignificant. But Jesus has this habit of taking what's little and bringing it glory to himself, of increasing it. And even more so when we as a congregation, as a family of God come together and we bring all together the things that we carry in our hearts. It's like a a shift that is no longer just us separately having things, but an exponential growth that it's not just the one-on-one-on-one, but everything added together uh, has an amazing increase. So we're going to 
Liz is going to come and just, we're just going to reflect a little bit on the things that we've written um, and then come back to, to some worship. I think that these questions are, are incredibly important questions and I think they're beautiful questions. I think they really matter to God, the way that we answer these questions. I think God is deeply interested in what we enjoy. I think God's deeply interested in what we care about. And I think God is deeply interested in, in what we, we carry in our hearts. Someone has said that um, the place God calls us to be is where our deepest gladness and the world's deepest hunger meet. And these questions bring those things together, don't they? The things that, we, that we're passionate about, that we enjoy, and the things that we care about as we read the news, what, what stirs your heart, what, what generates within you a, a longing to do something or a, a desire to, to pray. Um, those things matter to, to God. And in our leadership team, we were reading through one morning. We took the time to read through every single one of these pieces of paper. And it, it was just a beautiful experience of hearing that what all of us corporately as a congregation carry, the things that we, we love doing, the things that we carry and are concerned and care about. And I, I found myself very moved, as I just heard, the, the different expressions that have come from us very ordinary people. And they built a picture. And here is the picture of what everyone has, has dared, I think, to put down on a, on a little card. I think it's a brave thing to do. I think it's a brave thing to name what you carry, a brave thing to name what you love doing, because it reveals something about us that's really important. And everyone is really special, whether it's someone from our youth group saying they love football, or whether it's someone who's saying, I, I have a real concern for the environment. They're, they're beautiful things, and they show us something of who we are as a congregation. And out of that, I think we see something of what, what God has, where God has called us to be. The, the place that he's called us to in our community. So I do invite you to, to come up and read through these things. If you haven't done it, please do, because we want your voice. Um, and, and perhaps if you would like, perhaps if you didn't put your name on it and you'd like to, that would be a lovely thing to do as well so that we can honour what each of us brings and we can know each other in this kind of way. So read through, see too, what, what, what do you notice? What do you observe? What catches your attention from the things that people are saying? Because that, that's how I think corporately we begin to discern what God's saying to us. Are there themes that seem to come through? And maybe note that down. Maybe share. I think, I'm sure Carl would love to hear what it is that you see coming through, that together we, we, are, we, we care about, that together this is what matters to us. So um, this is, a, I think, a sacred Document a sacred piece of writing that we've we've together formed, and um, 
yeah, do do take the time to come and read through, and please add to it if you if you haven't. And you might find you read yours through and you think, oh, actually, there's something something else that occurs to me, because often we write in the moment, don't we? And then perhaps we reflect a bit later and we think, actually, there's something else that, that really does matter to me, and there's space to add it in. So, Rick, I'm back. We're going to uh, have a of time of worship, Carl's going to lead us in where, and I think the heart of it is that we are surrendering what we carry, but also surrendering our hearts afresh. And what do we do with this? Well, every week we kind of wait on the Holy Spirit to know quite where to go. And so just trust the process that God, as God reveals things that are within us, that he is also leading on this, on this journey of how he is building vision and, and hope within us through, through what we carry in our hearts. So maybe we just close our eyes. <clears throat> you might want to hold out your hands. <clears throat> just as a sign of us offering up to God the Father the things that we carry that are important to him, that are also precious to him. And just as Jesus reached out and took the the five loaves and the two fishes and he lifted it to heaven and he blessed it. We just trust that Jesus, you take what we are and you will cause increase. That you pour your Holy Spirit upon us as a family, as a congregation. make us more fruitful would you cause us to live in a greater degree of abundance thank you Lord that your word says that that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble and so this morning as a people we receive afresh the grace of God on our lives Because in you, we live and move and have our being. Fan into flames the gift of God that has been laid on us as people have prayed and recognized things. Lord, fan into flames the gift of God that rests on each one of us. May your Holy Spirit be just poured out in a greater measure of grace and anointing and power upon us as a family. Amen. Oh,